Welcome to the Silver and Mature Womanpreneur Podcast, a premier show for and by women over 50. Today I have the pleasure of having Angela Harrington on the show. Angela is a faith deconstruction coach who provides soul care for those untangling from toxic religion and recovering from hashtag church hurt. She's also the founder of the Deconstructing Faith Summit and the Faith Deconstructing Cafe Facebook community. She's also a Lark's Song Certified Life Coach who reaches hundreds of thousands of people in 40 plus countries each month on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest and her blog. All right, Angela, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the show. I am super excited to have you. I really can't wait to dive into this topic because I got to tell you, I've never interviewed anyone in your industry. Like I've interviewed (laughs) coaches, (laughs) I've interviewed consultants, and even Mm -hmm. uh, women who have their own uh, brick and mortar business, you know, things like that. However, I have never interviewed someone who deals with faith deconstruction. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, which is very needed, I believe. I mean, so yeah. that's why I'm so excited about this topic. So, I want to start out with uh, because in your in your information, you talk about toxic religion. So what exactly is toxic religion? Well, how much time do you have? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Right, right. It's kind of like asking what is faith, right? I know, I know. It's such a big bucket that we put things into. Um, But the kind of the bottom, you know, the, the too long didn't read version would be that toxic religion is, when organizations and, and people in those organizations add things to, to the pure holiness of God. So when we think mm-hmm. about things like racism, we think about misogyny, we think about legalist uh, behavior and, and doctrines that are more about protecting people and institutions than they are helping people find God, that's usually all the things that fall under toxic religion. Now, of course, that it spirals down into the, the tiniest pieces. So especially since your audience is, is women, you know, with women, a lot of times we have a lot of self-doubt and mm-hmm. we are really boxed in uh, by unhealthy Christian doctrines. Now, I don't think God boxes us in. I don't think God limits us in any way. But the, sometimes the way that, that God is interpreted and the way that faith is taught teaches us to be really small and teaches us to be... Um, to consider ourselves really untrustworthy. And so toxic religion shakes out differently for every single one of us. But I would say for all of the women who are listening, if you have imposter syndrome, and, you know, most of us do, but if you're having a really hard time shaking off imposter syndrome, I'd take a look around. I'd take a look around at, at, at who's teaching you about your identity and what God says about your identity and just kind of get in the sandbox and play around with that and see if there are some limiting beliefs in there that are being handed down by toxic religion that might not actually have anything to do with God. You were so right when you said, how much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) I got up on my preacher podium pretty quickly, didn't I? (laughs) The gospel itself is very, very simple. 
<laughs> but we yeah. have overcomplicated it, added a whole lot of, you know, legalism, which, by the way, has been happening since forever. Okay. So forever, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, yes. that's why Jesus it's, was flipping tables over. That's I mean, right. That's oh the my deconstruction. goodness. Right exactly. from the top of the exactly. Yeah. That was deconstruction. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the uh, yeah. what is faith deconstruction and how do you go about doing that? <clears throat> yeah. So faith deconstruction is um, it's such an interesting time for that that phrase because it's become really popular. Uh, in the last, I don't know, I would say three to six months, I've seen it really uh, being used a lot more by people who say it's a bad thing. <laughs> so mm. many of your listeners may have heard of it in uh, the context or in a, in a connotation that basically means deconversion, deconversion from Christianity. So um, a lot of people believe that deconstruction actually means taking what I believe, taking what the church teaches me, and just getting rid of the parts I don't like and probably not even being Christian anymore, which is a really um, dismissing sort of tone um, that toxic religion takes when it wants to keep uh, threats to its power away. So the mm. real definition of, dis- of deconstruction it's more, it's not a demolition. It's not tearing things down or burning it all down. It's, it's more of a sifting and a sorting, right? So it's taking all of the beliefs, looking at what we believe and why we believe it, and asking really hard questions about whether or not we should believe it. So, for example, you talked about the gospel a few minutes ago. There is not a single human being on earth that understands the gospel without some sort of bias mm-hmm. because we all have bias. Like you could tell me everything there is to know about your life. However, I'm still not going to see the world through your eyes. I may understand it more, but I can't take all of the biases that I have and throw them away just by learning from other people. They're mm-hmm. so deeply embedded that they impact things that we don't even know they impact so when we look at the gospel, we look at the Old and the New Testament, who taught us that? Where did they learn it? Where did they learn it? Where did they, right? Like, where did, where did our doctrines come from? And where did things wander away from God a little bit is what we're asking in deconstruction. Like, what's actually God-made and what's human-made? And let's go for more of the God-made than the human-made and see what we can do about some of these big problems um, that Christians so often find ourselves tangled up in. Something that came to mind as you were saying that uh, the translations of the Bible, how, yeah. how does that fit in? Like, yeah, yeah how does that question. fit in? Great question, because... Um, it's it's like asking, how does the language that I speak impact my culture and my understanding? Well, it's, it's everything. Um, because everything that I'm reading in the translation, including the footnotes, including, uh, you know, the little, like when it's a study Bible and it has little maps and it has the, the, all that little extra information that is so helpful, whoever is creating that, whoever is, is doing the translation, their culture, their bias, wherever they're, whatever they were in the hierarchy of, of humanity impacts what they brought to that translation. 
And so we have to be really smart and also give a lot of grace uh, to the people who taught us all the things because there's bound to be some errors and there's bound to be some things that seemed right 20 years ago, 60 years ago, 100 years ago, that now we say, oh, we have more information. We have better uh, understanding of those words in Hebrew. We actually have some old documents that have surfaced in the last 20 years that make that translation or that explanation of those words incorrect or less correct than, than what it actually is. And so it's restoring. It's, it's, it's you know, trying to sort through everything that we've added as human beings because it's our nature and everything that we've kind of assumed, all the assumptions we've brought to the table, it's kind of peeling those back and saying, how close can we get to, ha- to understanding the assumptions and the knowledge that the original audience would have brought to the table? Yeah. I, I am just curious. How yeah. did you get here? How did you get to the point <laughs> that you, there had to be some experience, some frustration, some, you know, maybe people coming to you and you thought, okay, this is, this has got to be addressed. How did you get started yeah. in, in this in this? Yeah, uh, I actually industry? had a pastor ask me that question a, a few months ago at our um, Deconstructing Faith Summit. He said, how did you get into deconstruction? I said, well, I went to seminary. Um, <laughs> which is, uh, for anybody who's never been to seminary, it is, uh, it's an intense season of, of wrestling and, um, you know, lots of information and, and lots of great relationships. But for me, I, I started sensing, I could see some of those layers um, where things didn't line up with, like the conversations I was having with peers, with other pastors, with, um, you know, instructors, people in the, the kind of that educational community that I was in, conversations that I was having um, and, and things that I was hearing and things that I was learning weren't actually lining up with what God was saying to me. Mm. which is where that imposter syndrome comes in sometimes because we always assume that we're wrong. Yeah. But sometimes we're not. Sometimes we are, and that's, right. you know, we've got to be humble about it. Yeah. But there was just this discontent that started growing. And so I did my graduate research project on um, Gen X women, which I am, um, on you know, how available um, are mentors, leadership mentors? How, you know, are we able to get into the higher echelons of these different ministry organizations and universities and churches? And some women shared devastating stories with me. And it was, it was private. You know, many of them shared it anonymously. But there were some who shared their name with me and said, I'll share this with you, but please don't share it in public circles. And and it was devastating. They were, they were not being invited to the table. They were being excluded. They were being passed over for promotions. They were not being paid equally what their male peers who had less education and less experience were being paid. Like the whole ball of wax just started to, to melt down for me. And so I came out of seminary with these questions and thinking, oh, it's just gender bias. It's just, you know, it's just this this uh, kind of false belief that women aren't as valued as men and we've got to work through that. But of course it wasn't. Um, There's a whole lot of different layers um, because we have a church and a country 
that were built on patriarchal, highly classist, white supremacist, white supremacist foundations. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to start challenging the gender bias in the church, we've got to talk about racism. We've mm-hmm. got to talk about classism, and we've got to talk about a lot of other things that are hurting people, yet large portions of the church still get behind. And so that's kind of how I got into it. I, I, I was, it was through my own deconstruction and then kind of coming out the other side and saying, well, that was really hard. <laughs> is, there, is, there an, like, is there a support system? Is there an easier way? And, and thank God there were a few people who really, really um, saved my life. And I don't, and I don't use that um, nonchalantly, but really stepped in and said, here's who I know God to be. And there may be a lot of people that disagree with me, but here's where I meet God and here's where God meets me and kind of expanded uh, the little bitty box that I had put God in and, and allowed me to start peeling back those layers of toxic religion. And so they're really my inspiration. You know, that's, mm. that's what I want to provide for my people. I, I So many times I, I sit across the table or I sit across from Zoom, um, on Zoom with someone, and they say, I, I, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> And we're sitting in a room of 20 people, and everybody has tears streaming down their face. And it, wow. it's that community that, that gives me hope. And, and that's, to me, it's not the reason I do the work, but, man, it, it, it's, it's right up there. It's pretty mm. high up at the top of the list of what gets me up in the morning. Wow, wow, wow. Man, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's just, again, there's so many places I want to go, but we – only have so much time because and I am definitely I am definitely going to have you back on the show be, because this is such a you know a fascinating um, industry if you will that you know that you're in and yeah. uh, not so much as a coach but the you know the the niche you're in and so yeah, I would I, be honored I'd be honored yeah. there's so much good stuff to talk about I'd be happy to oh my gosh yeah yeah. Now, now your bio also says you are a Lark's Song Certified Life Coach. Yeah. So talk to me about that. Yeah. So after I came out of seminary, I, I, I had a social media, media agency. I was doing online ministry. I had a couple different hats that I was wearing. And what was so interesting to me was every time I – worked with a client, um, you know, to grow their business or to talk about how to use social media better, we always bumped into that imposter syndrome. And what I realized was, for most of us, and, and for me included, it wasn't the technical skills that were hard to get. It was the mindset. It was getting over so many yeah. years of conditioning of life and, and people in my life trying to teach me to be small right? Like that was the hard part. So wow. I, I'm, I'm really lucky. Um, one of my mentors, one of those people that really saved me during that, that season of, of wandering uh, runs a coaching school. And I spent uh, probably about seven months learning how to be a life coach. Uh, got to do experiential life coaching and work with horses and art and play and hiking and just all kinds of things. And it was, it of course made me better at my job. But it was 
transformational to me in ways that I can't even explain. Um, so having so being a certified coach is really important to me, um, but it's also part of what made me me, like what's allowed me to serve people in such uh, just unbelievably vulnerable ways because that, that was modeled to me in that school and in that season. So it's good stuff. It's good, good life-changing stuff. And I think the thing that caught my attention more than the certified part was Lark's song. Yeah. So, yeah. So can you speak to that a little bit? Because I'm sure that our listeners will be like, okay, so what is Lark's, Lark's song? It's a tough Yeah, so Lark's song is the name of the coaching school that Got I attended. It. And okay. um, there's a, there's a – a really, there's some really beautiful metaphors um, in a lot of their programming, um, and and being a lark, like the the lark is just kind of a special creature. So um, when we're trying, when we're looking at fulfillment and we're looking at, you know, fully embracing ourselves and connecting with community and all of those things, um, the the founder, Megan Gilmore, who's that great friend of mine, larks. Uh, were something that was very important to her, and so that's mm-hmm. why she named the school after Lark's Song. And they're easy to find. It's larksong.com, and you can read the story there way better than I could explain it. <laughs> <laughs> well, because when I saw, I thought, at the first thing I thought, I was like, okay, does she sing? Is she teaching people to sing? That's where, my, <laughs> that's where I was going. I was like, okay. So she's just got, got, got like all of the gifts. Like she just got all of the gifts when she was born. You know what? That's can... a great description of Megan. She's got all of the gifts. Yeah. <laughs> she got all of the gifts and a generous spirit to pass it on to the rest of us. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I want to shift just a little bit to uh, sure. some business tips. I know that you're, you know, you're a coach and... You know, I, as I was reading your uh, bio, I was like, man, that's a <laughs> lot. She does a lot, you know. And so, you know, what kind of advice or, you know, tips would you share with someone, let's just say they were pivoting in their careers, they're 50 years old, and they're looking to, you know, make a huge career change, you know, like what's happening yeah. in, uh, in the current climate in terms of the great resignation. You know, a lot of people our age are like, it's like, I'm out. I'm, I'm retiring. Yeah. I'm going to do something else. I want to do something new. I got options, that kind of thing. I think the first most obvious thing that I would say is, is start. Just mm. start. Like, start something. Um, Trust yourself enough to start something. And I, and I think I would go there first rather than the practical advice, more technical advice, because, like I said, the mindset piece is what really gets us. And especially yeah. if, if you've grown up in, in a more conservative space, um, mm-hmm. if you've grown up in a, a, a more patriarchal, whether it's a faith community or an education community or, or all the above, like I did, um, getting out of that box is really scary. Like not, not following the path that everybody else says that you should pa- follow if you're a good Christian woman, man, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I promise you it is worth it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be easy. It will be worth it. 
Um, you'll learn things about yourself that you could never learn if you stay in the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I so agree with that uh, because mm-hmm. it's it's a journey. Entrepreneur Entrepreneurship will teach you some things that you will never learn anywhere else. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some things you don't even want to learn. That's right, that's right. And you're going to be better for it. Yeah, the the whole thing about the Great Resignation. Um, I've been watch, We've all been watching this thing unfold for the last few years, uh, but it's been really interesting for me to watch it from a a deconstruction perspective, from a business perspective. Uh, I also have kids at home, so I'm watching it kind of. I've got middle school, high school kids, so I'm kind of watching it from a, a child development perspective, and then of course extended family. So lots of different perspectives. But the one thing that unifies probably everybody's experience after the last year of of COVID and and shutdowns and everything is that everything that you thought was certain (laughs) was Hmm. not certain anymore, right? Oh, my goodness. You know, my kids, we homeschooled for a few months when we were on a big road trip a few years ago. But other than that, my kids go to school every day. Well, guess what? They didn't go to school for several months, <laughs> right? Like, um, you know, we're used to being able to go to the grocery store, and maybe we can't afford everything that's on the shelves in that moment. But in, for most of us, we're not used to seeing shelves half empty. We've got 27 brands of toilet paper we can get. Well, all of a sudden, there's no toilet paper you can get. Whoever thought that was going to happen, right? So there's, there's a lot of things that were uh, very certain, and – provided a layer of security that are now off the table. Mm. And so in some ways, it's a little easier to jump into a new thing because we're all sitting back going, I didn't see that coming. What else could be coming? You know, like what what else could be so different that I couldn't even imagine? Um, So it's a good season to do that. And also, we need to be really honest about how tired we all are. It's yeah. just like, I don't know a single person in any age group, any tax bracket, any part of the country that I've talked to in the last six to nine months that hasn't been bone level tired, like yeah. just exhausted. I mean, yeah. we've been in two years of collective trauma, and we're just, most of us don't know how to deal with trauma. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, it's a good time to jump. Yes, it's a good time to to start new things and to trust yourself and also be kind to yourself Mm -hmm. and recognize that it's probably going to take you longer than you want it to and it may make you cry more. You may yell more. I mean, every once in a while, I'll throw a book across the room when nobody's looking just to (laughs) vent the emotions because we're carrying so much for so many people right now. So, yes, trust yourself and also be kind to yourself because you're doing hard work. Yeah. So, you know, trusting yourself is a scary thing to do and yet, it's what makes a good business person, okay? Um, and I don't mean taking it to the extreme of just running over people and being bullheaded and not listening because that's, that's not what it's about. When, you know, maybe that's what it's about when we're in our 20s and we start something. But by the time we get to this age, 
we've got enough wisdom and we've got enough common sense to know that our heart has to be in this thing we're doing. Yeah. There's got to be some love. There's got to be a, a connection to our identity and who we are deep inside in this thing or it's just, it's just not going to light us up. Yeah. And we've all had times that lit us up and we've all had times that didn't light us up. And so, like, you know, with that experience, you've got to trust that whatever you're going to create, it, it's going to be close to your heart and you're going to bring something to it that's special and different and nobody else can bring. And that makes it very personable and really hard on some days, but it's worth it. It's absolutely mm-hmm. worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that I think, you know, mindset wise, that's the that's the kind of top two or three things that I would say are really important for somebody who's either thinking about switching or maybe they maybe they've been doing something kind of on a hobby level and they mm-hmm. see an opportunity to expand it. But that expansion is scary. Like, right. When yeah. we when something moves from hobby to like day job, that's scary. Yeah. And yeah. it also can be exhilarating and, and amazing. Yeah, it, it, you're absolutely right. As you were as you were saying that, I was thinking about, you know, when I because I'm 62 years old, and so I grew up in the era where we were taught go to school, you know, get your education, get a degree, yeah. work at, you know, whatever company, 35 years, retire, you know, all that kind of stuff, and so. Uh, I think it, it's it's and it really does take a mind shift in because that's so ingrained in us. Yeah. And so um, now I think for me, I was one of those that I didn't have an example of an entrepreneur like you know some 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 women that I have um, that I have interviewed you know said. You know, well, I had someone that was an entrepreneur, so I had an example, you know, of someone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have that kind of an example. However, I knew that at some point that I was going to be doing, I wasn't going to be working for anyone, but I didn't know what that looks like. I didn't know how to go about it. I didn't know, you know, what it was going to be. All I knew was that, as I used to sit when um, I was worked in corporate America, I would sit there and I would dream about okay, I you know like I I couldn't stand clocking in I you know and then the older I got it was like oh my gosh you know I'm responsible I'm a responsible person I'm gonna yeah. do what I said I'm gonna so all of those things started to just really kind of you know kind of move me in in that direction and I remember when I first you know, what really just took me off the ledge kind of was I was working on a job and uh, I had, uh, my manager was a micromanager. And oh my gosh, I thought if I could just get out of this thing, you know, and so I remember calling my husband, I carried like my resignation letter with me for two years before I resigned. Oh my goodness. I had it on a little floppy disk. <laughs> so, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. 
<laughs> and so I called my husband and I said, "Honey, I can't do it anymore. I would I would literally um, drive, sit in the parking lot, and cry. Uh-huh. Wow. I, I I just I hated it so much. And so anyway, I shared all all of that. You know, hopefully that will you know, inspire the listeners that if they find themselves in that place, you know, something is wrong because you're not supposed to be miserable like that, you know? Right, right. So, you know, a lot of us get, get chronic illnesses and mm-hmm. we just carry stress like it's what we were designed to do. Yeah. Um, but I have to tell you, our, there's a couple of good, there's a lot of books out there, but um, there's a couple of good books that talk about how we carry trauma and how we carry stress in our body. And mm. so some of us, including me, have seen enough trauma that I got really good at not dealing with it mm-hmm. and just letting my body carry it. Yeah. And your body is carrying a lot. Your heart, your energy, like your, like your soul is carrying so much. And it's because you're listening to the voices outside of you oh more than you're listening to that small, quiet voice inside that says, honey, you need to go. Like, mm-hmm. you, need, you, you need to go. This person doesn't value you. Or maybe you're, it's even harder when you're in a good place, when you're in yeah. a, a company that's amazing. Like when God called me to go to ministry full time, Dang it, he called me out of my dream job. What was my dream job at the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was working as a nurse. I was working in early intervention. I was working with pregnant mamas and, and babies and, and at-risk toddlers. I loved my team. I had an amazing, like, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And obedience was stepping out of that and stepping into ministry. And mm-hmm. that I wrestled with that for a while. But it, as soon as I started to really listen I could see the signs that I knew that it was time to go. Um, And I had to to say, you know, I had to start winding that down to make room for the next thing. And the next Mm. thing required a lot of work and a lot of healing and it wasn't easy, but it, it, it's what I, you know, once I slowed down and listened to myself, Mm -hmm. I could see that what I was sensing is exactly what God was saying. And so Mm -hmm. that alignment was there. But I had to trust that it was going to be okay because the numbers didn't add up. It didn't make sense on my career trajectory. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? like, it did, like, it's like, it almost felt like that game, that old game of shoots and ladders. Like, it felt like I was going back down a slide. Yeah. But actually, what was happening was God was saying, okay, finish, finish this move, and then we're going to switch to a gif- different game. And I was like, mm. what? <laughs> but it worked, right? Yeah. Like it, I, I got to where I need to be. And I'm probably going to be sitting here in another decade and this thing will have morphed and changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll be saying the same thing. Like, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. I remember yeah. sitting in COVID talking on a podcast and I didn't <laughs> see that coming. But look, we're on this side of it now. And isn't it lovely? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did, COVID, did, did COVID, did it impact your business? And how did it impact your business? You know. Yeah, so it's really an interesting story because the what has kept the lights on and what has paid the bills for many, many years has been the consulting side. And I love it. I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. I love working with business people, um, primarily women. I get to do a little bit of the life coaching. Not everybody that I work with is Christian, but a lot of them are. So I get to do a little of the pastoral care 
and I also get to bring this decade worth of business experience to the table. So that's what, you know, that, that was the primary thing. And then the kind of deconstruction work and, and some of that coaching was just starting to sort of creep in um, right at the beginning of COVID. And what happened was it, it decreased the revenue. Um, it was hard, I'll be honest with you. I, I shed more than a few tears. Um, we had some clients who could no longer afford to have us manage their social and do their ads and do some of those pieces over on the social media side. So our revenue dropped to less than it had been for years. And my husband, who also worked full-time in the business with me, had to go back and get a job outside the home. And that was devastating. We're talking about a blow to, to, to my ego as the, yeah. the business owner. That was hard. Yeah. And also, it was a hard reset. So I still do some consulting. I get to really pick and choose the clients that I work with. Um, but we basically, when, when those clients weren't able to continue anymore, my husband and I basically sat down and he said, here's the thing, you're pivoting your business. So I'm going to go do this anyway. I'm going to go do this job thing. You pivot your business and we'll just take it month by month. So we're, mm-hmm. we're still in a phase of ramping back up and mm-hmm. being able to support people and um, you know, ministry work is never as lucrative as social media marketing and those kind of things, which is totally fine. God's taking mm-hmm. care of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been a, it has been a catalyst in a way to not get back on that, that hamster wheel of, mm-hmm. of trying to, to do the day job and then this ministry work being a side hustle, but to actually mm-hmm. let those flip and let the ministry work be the primary work that I do on most days. And then, you know, when, when the right people come to me and they need support, it's really cool to still be able to say yes. Or I have other friends that are in the deconstructing industry and um, we're able to have conversations on the side and be like, oh, here's what you're doing. Or, you know, a local business owner pops up and somebody starts a business and I get to spend a few minutes with them, sharing with them what I know. And so I still get to use that, but um, it really has allowed me to focus 80% of my brain and my heart on this work of really helping people navigate deconstruction without just totally losing everything. Oh, what are some exciting things you got coming up, young lady? Yeah, so in January, um, beginning of January, we are launching the, oh, actually, you know what, hang on, ask me that again, because you said this is going to air the end of January. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's okay, I've got stuff coming up too, so go ahead, (laughs) ask me that again, and then we'll edit. I mean, you can still share, though. You can still share what you got okay. coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So the, one of the things that I'm most excited about, um, last fall we put on a Deconstructing Faith Summit and brought in 20 speakers. Uh, it was a free event. People could purchase the recordings later if they wanted to. Um, but we had over 1,000 people, and we ended up with about 1,400 people joined us for that event. And it was just, it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> So, so good. So we're planning on doing that again in the fall. We're really excited about it. But one of the things that came out of the summit was really a need for uh, a short-term coaching program, a a group experience for people who are ready to go a little bit deeper in their deconstruction and are just at that place where they're scratching their heads saying, I know I need this, but man, I'm, I'm not really sure what the next step is. Um, so we created the Deconstruct Your Faith group coaching experience, 
and we're going to be launching it a couple times a year. So I think the, uh, the, it was once in January, and then I think the next one is coming up the end of March, beginning of April. Um, okay. But we kicked that off last fall, and I'll tell you what, that first cohort was amazing. Um, mm. It's kind of a, a small group. Um, deconstructing together and talking about hard, messy topics and all of those things. So you can find out uh, more about that on my website or on the Deconstructing Faith Summit website. And then, of course, we'll be announcing, um, we'll be putting out the call for speakers and everything a little later in the spring. And the second Faith, Deconstructing Faith Summit should happen uh, about the middle of September. We're still trying to nail down some details on that. But yeah. it's just so a phenomenal thing. So it's yeah. twice a year? Well, we're going to be doing the group coaching program is going to come out three times a year. Um, okay. And then the Deconstructing Faith Summit will be once a year every mid-September. Okay. Yeah. It's a big event. I, don't, I think people would come twice a year, but I don't know that Mama could put it together twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> it, took us about, it took us about six months uh, to really pull that together. So we'll just do it once a year for now, and then we'll yeah. see what happens. <laughs> Now, now are, you, are you going back to in-person, or has it been virtual, or how, how has that been, or what? Uh, right now, everything is virtual, and, okay. and I, I love the accessibility of that. I love how affordable it is. I also yeah. miss seeing people face-to-face, so I am um, you know, watching everything closely, and I'm hoping that we can start gathering again um, later in the spring to do yeah. some small events. The Deconstructing Faith Summit, um, we'll probably do that again virtually because that just, uh, doing it virtually keeps the overhead so low that we're allowed sure. to uh, really offer it at, at, you know, basically for free. Um, yeah. But I do, I'm looking forward to doing retreats and, and um, you know, getting to see people face-to-face again, um, hopefully in the next three to six months. But we do have a group. We have a community, the Faith Deconstruction Cafe. You can find out about that on my website or on the Deconstructing Faith Summit website. And that's just an online Facebook group. Um, I think we've got probably 1,500 people in there. Oh, and wow. it is just the coolest little corner of the world, like, I just I love my people in that group. We have some wild conversations about really messy, hard things, and it's mm. just it's such a kind, respectful group. And man, that is hard to find, very yeah. hard to find online. So yeah. that's a community. I'd, I'd love to welcome people. There's no cost for that. You just have to go to the website and um, get the links and everything, and then you can pop over to Facebook and join it. Um, but I offer some free stuff in there once in a while, and. Uh, I am working on a book, so I go into the group often and ask for input on the book and say, guys, I need your help. Um, (laughs) And everybody in there is kind of holding me accountable. So if I don't go in there and talk about the book, somebody tags me and says, hey, what's up with the book? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we're we're working on the book proposal and um, supposed to hand that off to my agent here real soon. And so hopefully we'll get get a contract uh, in place early next year and be able to get that baby out into the world because it's, it's due. Wow. It's ready. <laughs> yeah. I still have yeah. a lot of words to write down, but, but it's, it's time. We need, the world needs it, so we've got to get it out there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've got a book coming out. You've got yeah. a summit coming. Uh, you're going to be, you know, hopefully able to open up the, uh, some, you know, live events and things like that. Yeah. I mean, that is outstanding. Standing. I mean, thank you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, just for, it's a big need. So we'll just keep putting stuff out there. That's, that's yeah. Kinda, 
We'll just keep yeah. listening. Um, you know, I've got a couple people on my team, and we just we're just listening to what people are asking for, and yeah. and figuring out the best way to get it to them. Um, it, it you know that's the benefit of being a small organization is you can you can respond to people's needs really quickly. So I'm excited mm-hmm. about kind of holding that space for people. Wow. <sighs> oh my gosh, I I tell you, Angela, this has been. So exciting. I can't wait to have you back. I've, like I said, I've never talked to a deconstruction coach. <laughs> I love this topic, um, and I know that my listeners are too. Um, and thank you for sharing, you know, all the things that you have coming up. And uh, all of the information is, you know, is going to be your, your links and all of that is going to be in the show notes and things like that. And so... But, you know, I'll let you know. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I can't wait to have you back and just really dive into more uh, into this deconstruction, toxic religion, all of that yeah. yummy stuff. <laughs> that yeah, I it's about. unfortunately not going away anywhere soon. No. But we can have lots of conversations about it. And I would love to, I'd love to help you people get free from that. Uh, oh, my gosh. We need yeah. more wise women out there in the world speaking their truth. And so, Absolutely. like, we, we, need, we need the young kids out there doing it too. But I, I yeah. hope your listeners, I hope every single one of them recognizes that, that the wisdom, that the, their hard-earned wisdom Mm-hmm. need to be out there in the world. We need the sage women and, and yeah, that's yeah. what we need. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so and do it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so glad that you, you, you said that that's a great place to end and encourage uh, women too, because we don't, again, under, understand a lot of times our value, you yeah. know, and what we yeah. bring to the marketplace and people need that. And so, you know, instead of us, going and retiring and just, you know, of course, you know, a choice. But my point is let's make an impact because the, the world really does need us. Thank you so much. 